This is actually uh, based on Proverbs 4, 7, where it says wisdom is the principal thing. What is wisdom? Wisdom is right action. Wisdom is right action. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. And from Education, page 225, true education imparts this wisdom. It teaches the best use not only of one, but of all our powers and acquirements. Character building is the most important work ever entrusted to human beings. Never, por- never before was its diligent study so important as now. Never was any previous generation called to meet issues so momentous. Never before were young men and young women confronted by perils so great as confront them today. I commented on what wisdom is, but I want to comment on what the other two are, because I taught 13 hours on uh, the ideal or model soil during this session, and it's the foundation of, of what I taught. And you can see the, the title of the message here is Some Seeds Fell, which may give you the idea we may look at the parable of the sower. Understanding the character of the soil, restoring the image of God. Is that our purpose? Is to restore the image of God. Knowledge is a knowledge of the holy. It's an awareness of. It is, it's a, an accepting of the truth. Understanding is the right action of the will. And the result of those things, now you could call out when I say the right action of the will, it's the emotive force. It's how we feel about that truth that we've, we've learned. And uh, these two things, there's a, there's a, there are two aspects of life that it's important that you understand in order to, to rightly understand the character of God or the character of the soil or our own character. Knowledge is fixed. The character of God, what does God say about himself? I don't change. It's fixed. And it doesn't matter whether we accept that or we don't accept it. It doesn't matter whether we agree with it or disagree with it. It doesn't matter if we choose to obey it or not choose to obey it. That is fixed. It is determined, and and we're not going to change that. The real thing that we have um, control over is the random part. And I know, Steve, if you're in here, you don't like that word. but um, Fluid, maybe fluid. The fluid part of, of life, and that is the will. It is the right action of the will that we're told that we need to understand. And so it's the coming together of those two things that brings wisdom, that brings action. And if there's no action in life, uh, there's no testimony. So we need to understand all the three of those things. And I hopefully as we go through this, you'll understand that a knowledge of the holy is the beginning of wisdom. So get wisdom. Get right action. But in getting that, get the understanding of it, which is the right action of your will. This is an admonition that I try to follow all the time. It's a quote from Thomas Akempis, who was a, a monk. Um, who didn't quite see things the way he was supposed to. If you can see things the way they really are, and not merely the way men report them to be, then you are wise, and God is your teacher, and not man. The theme of this conference is restoring the waste places. So my question to you is, where are the waste places? It's one thing to say we want to restore the waste places, but where are they? We now live in a world where food destroys health, law destroys justice, education destroys knowledge, government destroys freedom, commerce destroys economy, and religion destroys morals. Would you call that a waste place? Is that the waste place we need to restore? Let me share this, prof- this uh, quote from the second chapter of Christ's Object Lessons, which addresses the parable of the sower. That which the parable of the sower chiefly deals with, my apologies for the mistake there, deals with, is the effect, the effect, hear that word, the effect produced on the seed by the soil into which it is cast. 
In other words, it's the effect of the soil on the seed. Those are the conditions that we live under. That's the human condition. And my question is, when I asked if that's where the waste places are, is that where, is that where we solve the problem? Now, she's, she says that these are effects. These are conditions. We live, we live on the plane of effects. What happens to us? It's, it's, it's what's happening to us right now. But the causes for those effects um, were put into motion a long time ago, possibly. Now, if you put your hand on a stove and you burn it, well, the cause was you put your hand on the stove and you burn it, and the cause and effect happened immediately. But in most cases, causes could have been put in motion days ago, weeks ago, months ago, years ago, decades ago, generations ago. You know, when, when uh, the disciples brought the blind man to Jesus and they asked him, um, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? What was Jesus' answer? Neither. The causes were put into motion, and he was innocent of them. He's just suffering the consequences of them. How many things happen in life that you were innocent of, that you had nothing to do with? One of the things we we don't understand is not only are there effects produced by our choices, but there are effects that are produced in the aggregate. There are, produ- there are effects produced by the aggregate of humanity. And, and these things are set into motion and the effects come into being. And look around the world today and, and its condition. We didn't, as individuals, have everything to do with the causes for that. But as a collective of humanity, we, we had those choices. So where are the waste places? Well, those are just the effects. Those are the waste places that have been affected. I don't think we're where the waste places are yet. Why are they waste places? That's the more important question. Why are they waste places? Is it, are the conditions that are in the world today, are those the conditions that you wanted? Are those the conditions you hoped for? And yet those are the conditions that we have. Something went wrong in the process of knowledge and understanding and action. There are contradictions here. Even with your own lives, you ask yourself the question personally. You don't need to tell me. Talk to God about it. But in your own life, are the outcomes, are the the conditions that are in your own life, are they the conditions that you want? If you're being, you can be honest with yourself. I mean, maybe they are, but I can tell you that the conditions that I have in my life right now are not everything that I want them to be. So, somewhere along the line, there are other waste places. There are waste places that are causing the effects and producing waste places. Throughout the parable, again, from Christ Object Lessons, I apologize, I didn't put the The reference on here, it's uh, just a couple pages over. Throughout the parable of the sower, Christ represents the different results of the sowing as depending on the soil. In every case, the seed and the sower are the same. Thus he teaches that if the word of God fails of accomplishing its work in our hearts and our lives, the reason is to be found in ourselves. Now I have up there Understanding the character of the soil. And if any of you were in my class, you'll have discovered that there's a direct relation. The Bible says the body and the mind are one. So you corrupt one, and you're going to corrupt the other. You corrupt the other, and you're going to corrupt, you're going to corrupt that one. And so you can't separate those two things. And if you're looking at the character of the soil, we use some of these... Uh, Slides in the presentation. There's a, if you were to say go take a soil science class, they they bring this pie chart up. Everybody, it's a consensus that this is the ideal soil, that it has this makeup. 
there's a solid aspect and there's a fluid aspect. There is a fixed law and there is a will. There is a random will that can make, make a choice. And when those two things come together, they produce a living being. You we could go to Genesis and we read, well, how did God create us? He formed us from the dust of the earth, and he breathed into our mouths the breath of life. And then what do we become? A living being. What other word can you put on that? Well, you could put a soul on it, but it's really a witness. What was God doing? What did he tell man to do? He said to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill it with what? Well, what were we made in the image of? God said it twice. Let us make man in our image in our image, let us make man. So we need to differentiate something here a little bit. The human condition is one thing. The hu- human nature is another thing. What was, the nature, what was the nature of man based on what I just said? It was the image of God. It was supposed to be the image of God. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time because I think you understand that that image has been um, deformed. And so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't reflect that character anymore. But this organic matter, this, this small percentage that comes out is that witness. Now, what they represent in there is a witness of those who have gone before. So it would be like reading books and, and learning, from the, taking the experience of others. I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing the soil science thing today. I want to stay on the spiritual stuff today. But that is our experience. That is our testimony. That is our witness. And the real question is, then now this is the, the that's gone before, but to see the picture to the right, that's a living witness. It's a living witness. But something is, there's, there's two aspects in this that we need to understand. And we're going to, I hope, I'm going to talk in farming terms, but, you know, I'm and hoping that I might um, help you understand a little bit better. I'm actually going to do this in, a couple, in another way, and that's uh, via computers. I'm not high tech. I barely keep my head above water, but I think that there's a relevant illustration of the same thing here. In this picture, you have life interacting with the atmosphere, which is the environmental influences. But what you don't see in this picture is the soil that's supporting that life. The soil that interfaces with that atmosphere, the mineral that interacts with the air and the water, a knowledge of God and understanding. And there is a witness. And this happens to be a beautiful witness. I wouldn't mind... uh, walking there. But let's look at it so I can try to help you see here. Now remember, I said that the knowledge of the holy, there's knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And it's necessary to have all three of those. Uh, You know, my daughter, I'm dealing with some difficulties with my daughter, but she's um, of pretty good spirits about it. But one of the things that she shared with me, because it's kind of made her think about some things a little bit deeper, is um, she said, you know, 50% of the kids at school here, she's a senior in college at one of our universities in Canada. She said 50% of the kids here don't attend school, the church anymore. They say there's too much hypocrisy. Another term for that is contradiction. The thoughts, the feelings, and the actions are not adding up. It's a, legitimate, it's a legitimate observation on their part. And the real question for us is, how do we make them add up? So let's look at a computer and see if we see the same, same pattern in it and try to understand what these things are. Human beings are programmable kind of like a computer. Now, we're not computers. So don't take this too far. There's just an illustration here for us to help us understand where the waste places are. Like a computer, if a human being has a bad file system format, 
Conditions during a child's formative years. You hear, see the word format in there? This correlates to formative years. If you were in Joshua's, Joshua White's classes, I'm sure you heard that. That's usually the years zero to six. That's the hard drive on a computer that has to be formatted correctly. It has to rightly represent what it is supposed to do. You know, I, I brought up the idea of what is, what is human nature? Well, and what is the condition? Well, what is the nature of a computer? Well, it's a computer. It's designed to do computing. What is this condition? Well, it depends on what we're going to talk about here. So a file system, if a human being has a bad file system format, in other words, when you're, when you're formatting how you know life, you're going to define everything up from that. And if that, if that formatting is bad, then you're going to have trouble from there. But let's just lead the whole thing through, and then we'll, we'll look at it. If a human being has a bad file system format, which are the conditions during a child's formative years, a bad operating system, the atmosphere, the culture that we live in, that influences us. In my class, we talked about the sun and the rain and the wind and the, and the various influences. It's the atmosphere, it's the influence that we're in. A bad operating system or culture or atmosphere or environment and a bad software, and bad software, which is our beliefs, which can be either accurate or erroneous, their output, their behavior, on the screen, quote screen, or life, will be bad. So at any one of these levels, you can create contradiction, the wrong outcomes. Now, I asked the question, if you look at the condition of the world around us, and if you, if you even watched the news last night or this morning, it's, you know, it's just more of the, the same horror. What we want, what we say we want, is not what we have. So somewhere along this line, something is not right. Am, am, I, am I being unreasonable in saying that? Either... Either our hard drive, if you want to put it that way, and if you want to put it that way as far as the soil goes, the minerals, the solid part of that, or our operating system, which is our understanding of how to use that knowledge, or the fluid part of the soil, the air and the water, and would include the environmental influences, the software, the belief systems we develop as a result of that, the output, the behavior is going to be bad. It's not going to be what we want. We're going to have conditions that we, we don't want. Now I read here throughout the parable of the sower, Christ represents the different results of the sowing as depending upon the soil. In every case, the seed and the sower are the same. Thus he teaches that if the word of God fails of accomplishing its work in our hearts and our lives, the reason is to be found in ourselves. And she continues on this next slide. But the result is not beyond our control. True, we cannot change ourselves. Now, well, let me finish reading and I'll go back to that. But the power of choice is ours. And it rests with us to determine what we will become. So while the conditions may not be what we want them to be, they're not beyond our control. They're not beyond our choice to make change. Now it says the power of the choice is ours. It's the right spirit. It's the right understanding. It rests with us to determine what we'll become. We will become. Um, we're still looking for the waste places, and one of the waste places is the soil. It's not constructed right. The solid part of it, the fixed part of it, is not right. We're broken, folks. The fluid part of it, or the random part of it, the, the air and the water, can't be right, 
if the law is not correct, if the, if the solid part of it, the fixed part of it is not correct, the fluid part of it cannot properly understand. And as a consequence, now we looked at that picture and it was beautiful flowers on a beautiful day, but I can tell you this year I saw some pretty ugly stuff. I had uh, tomatoes growing in a high tunnel and they were beautiful. Now we just started with this farm. We've, we've just recently started with this farm and so I'm starting to do all the remineralization and reconstruction of the soil. And, and uh, so we're not there yet. But these tomatoes grew. They were eight feet tall and I bet when I tell this story there's going to be a bunch of people shaking their heads out there. Yeah, that's what happened to me this year because that was the kind of year it was. Um, they were eight feet tall. They were beautiful. Green from the bottom to the top. Um, covered with trusses of tomatoes and, and various stages of, of ripening. And then the rains came. And the cloud cover came. And it didn't leave for a long time. There wasn't enough energy input because of the lack of photosynthesis. And then uh, early blight came along. Which is a potassium deficiency. Which I knew I had. Um, and unfortunately I was having to travel back and forth and I wasn't able to address it as much as I would have liked to. But they succumbed to that. Now, it looked like everything was fine. They looked beautiful. I had uh, neighbors over, and they say, wow, I wish I could grow tomatoes like that. Until the stresses of the culture, if you want to put it that way, the environment, came. And they succumbed to it. A lot of times we think that we're doing fine when in reality we're, we're malnourished. Finally, those pressures, those stresses from the environment lifted and the sun came back out and everything. And the interesting thing was that the plants started growing again. They were green and beautiful on the top. Um, but, the, but the lesson for me is that we may not be where we think we are spiritually. Are we really going to be able to handle the stresses that are going to come? If, if you have your eyes open at all, remember what I shared in the beginning. You've got exponential rises in crisis in every aspect of life right now. They are climbing at a vertical pace now and could, could collapse at any time. I can tell you that the food system is in serious trouble. But even if it wasn't in serious trouble, it's heavily dependent on interventions. The whole world is dependent on interventions. And they're not, they're not the kind of interventions that are healing and, and restoring. They're the kind of inter interventions, well, I call them suppressive interventions. You could call them time-buying interventions. If you wanted to be belligerent, you could call them uh, message killers. But what they do is they suppress the symptoms, the effects so that we're diluting into, diluted into the idea that things are a lot better than they are. And then we go on with our lives pretending like we're not in the condition that we're in. But it will only take one thing. If the, let's just say, for example, the financial system collapses. Everything collapses with it, whether it was at the point of collapse or not. And so even if you could produce food, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to get transported. It's not going to get delivered to the stores. You're not going to have access to it. And beyond that, what's worse than that, what, what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen if all of these interventions were with, withdrew, were taken away? What do you think would happen to the food system? What would you think would happen to people's health and their ability to function? We are so propped up by interventions right now that we don't know how sick we are. But take those away, and what would the condition be? But we don't know our condition, because we have so many, so, so many of these interventions. There are four kind of interventions, by the way, just so you have a perspective on this. There's these time-buying or suppressive interventions that are delusional in their nature. They distract us, dissuade us, divert us, numb us to the realities of life. But then there are cleansing interventions. And we need cleansing. And there are nourishing interventions, and we need nourishment. And then there are divine interventions, and we all need those, and we'll take them whenever we can get them. 
but I'm still looking for, I hope you recognize that it, as far as the soil goes, look at, the, look at the condition. I have a second daughter now who I, had to, I thought I was late because it was after 11 o'clock I was racing down here that I had to deal with to try to figure out how to get her grandparents to go pick her up who's sick. Um, the food supply is terrible, folks. <laughs> it's terrible. I haven't been able to have my own food for the last two and a half years because of you know other issues, and I feel like I've aged ten years in just two years. Um, but I had a you know a second child get sick and had to arrange to have her go picked up from academy, and um, things are bad. The soil is not right. We use a lot of interventions there to, to make it look like it is, but it's not. And it's a, it's a clear indication to us of the condition of humanity from the physical side. Remember I said that the body and the mind are one? From the physical side, it is sick. But we're still looking for um, why there are waste places. Where is the source of it? Hopefully you can read that okay. Um, we need to go to the mind. In Isaiah, the, he says that the, we're sick in the head. Now, we don't like to hear things like that, but we are sick in the head. See, one of the myths, yeah, I think I'll wait and share that because I might get some people upset with me about that one. Um, so let's look at the mind because the mind is the citadel of the soul it's the governing part and I'm putting mind here not brain but there's there's a connection the physical and the spiritual interface with each other and one depends on the other if you have no physical it would be like having no sanctuary for the indwelling of God or to have you know the indwelling of God, but you know, of course, there's no sanctuary. Or have a sanctuary and God's not dwelling in it. What good would one be without the other? So let's look at the mind. Um, we'll, we'll look at the brain. And I didn't put this up here. I just uh, On here, I, I want you to just kind of envision it a little bit. I don't know how much you know about the brain. But there are different parts to the brain. And the most basal part of the brain is called the R-complex. It's the survival part of the brain. It's the fight and the flight, the reactive part of the brain. And then there's the limbic system, which is a little bit higher up in the middle. And that's where the emotions are seated. And if there's imbalanced function there, you don't experience the normal range of emotions. And then there's the neocortex. And that's what we see is that wrinkled gray stuff that's up here on the top and that's where conscious thought takes place that's where the conscious is that's where the will is that's where the ability to uh, choose right and wrong is but up in that neocortex there's a left side and there's a right side and they, they perform different functions the left side is the intellect it's the logic, the analytical thought, the science and math, linear it is determined it is law. This tends to be, and I don't want to get anybody uncomfortable with terminology, but this tends to be the masculine expression. This is, this is the man. Now, it doesn't mean that the man doesn't have the other side of the brain. Hopefully he does, because we're going to see here in just a minute that uh, what happens when you don't. But the right side of the brain is the intuitive side. It's the fluid side. It's the will. And it's creativity, emotion, nurture, big picture, the fluid side, or the will. That's kind of how the brain works. And, you know, just aside on this, that, and, and that tends to be more the makeup of women. Their brain tends to be more in the right side of the brain. But again, if they're all the way in the right side of the brain, we're going to see here in a minute, or anybody is, and not balanced with the left, then it causes lots of problems. 
how, how when, when God created women, what did he do? He took it from Adam's side, right? He didn't take it from Adam's head, didn't take it from Adam's feet, took it from, took it from his side. And so they stand side by side. It's important to understand this stuff because the, these illustrations are all over the place as how God is, we're an image of God, and how we should be. So let's look at the mental schism here because we're tracing down where the waste places are. The left side of the brain is intellect. Now, I put intellect there on purpose because it is not intelligence. It's not intelligence. Intelligence is a combination of the intellect and the intuition, or the generative, they call it the generative principle. Um, and that's where the term intelligence comes from. The gens part of it comes from genera, the, the, the Latin, and that's where it comes from. It's a balance, it's a combination of those two things. But what happens when your, your brain or your mind is too far leaning towards the intellect? Towards this, this is what's fixed, the law. Keep those things in the mind. You wind up with rigid skepticism. Um, you see this in, in academia a lot now. It doesn't have to be in academia at all. It's where there's skepticism, you know, universal skepticism about any, everything. You have scientism. Now, I didn't, scientism is not science. science. Scientism is where you, you think that everything is material and your whole, your whole perspective is based on only the material world, not taking into consideration anything beyond that. It leads to atheism, where everything, again, is material. There is no, there is no God. There is no creator. It's uh, just a material world that has happened by chance. Then there's moral relativism, where there, is no, there are no absolutes. There is no wrong and right, because it's all just random. It's just by chance. It's just material. There's no... It's just a matter of my opinion over your, or your opinion. And we'll see that with one of the, the, the ones down here. There's social Darwinism. And think about these things when you think about the world around you and what's happening in the world around you. There's social Darwinism. And what that means is uh, that some people are more advanced than other people. Some people are more intelligent than other people. Some people are more, are better Physically built, you could add a whole lot of things on there. But in this particular, it's social Darwinism where some people are more important than others. And that leads to some people thinking they have the right to control others. Then you have eugenics. This all, of course, naturally leads to the idea that some people are more fit than others. And so, therefore... Those people who are more fit have the right to determine who should live and who should die. It also leads to solipsism. Most of you probably never heard that term. Uh, this is predominant in the New Age, but it actually happens in, uh, on this side too. Solipsism is, is the, the idea that you, the only thing you can know is what's in your own mind. You can't really know anything. And so everything around you is just an illusion that you make up in your mind, which is kind of demoralizing to everybody around you, that uh, you only exist in their minds, when in reality you actually do exist. But this is a major, major tenet of the, the, the New Age movement and all of their teachings. Is that you can't, so you don't really need to, you can't really know anything, so whatever, you know, whatever matters to you, whatever makes you happy, that's it, and you can choose not to, the bigger problem with this is you can choose not to see what's happening around you. It's not really happening. In other words, there is no such thing as right and wrong. There is no such thing as good and evil. So you're closing your eyes. Let me ask you, is there such a thing as evil? You'd have to be blind not to see that. But the devil's good at blinding us. <laughs> And what you wind up on this side with is authoritarianism. You're seeing that more and more. And uh, if you don't know that, 
The whole Sabbath Sunday issue is going to be related to this. Who has ownership? Who has ownership? We call it authority. Does man have ownership or does God have ownership? So let's go look at some of the characteristics of, the, uh, of uh, an extreme. Well, let me see on this side here. When this happens, when there is an imbalance to this side, it drives the executive function of the brain down into the R complex, to the survival mode. There is, it's, there's no conscious governance going on in an intelligent way. They now, and, and so this results in a survival of the fittest mentality, self, self-preservation. And you know the interesting thing is if you were to go out on the street and you were to represent these things the way they really happen, even to a lot of Christians, they would, they would, they would say, yeah, this is what I think. This is what I think. So what happens if you're on the extreme? You, you, there's an extreme imbalance on the right side to the detriment of the, of the left side. You have naivete. You're naive. You, you have blind belief. You just accept things just because they're, they're, that's what you're told the way they are. There's a religious extremism on this side, which we could spend the whole day going into that. There's feelings of unworthiness. I have no value. Self-loathing. You don't like yourself. And one of the interesting things with this is that it both winds up here. Um, these things are brought about. Well, let me finish it and then I'll share that. It, it, it winds up leading to order following. I just do what people tell me. Solipsism again. You can't really know anything except what's in your own mind. And you become willing slave, willing slavery. Now, as I'm reading this, please, I want you to think, is that what our world is starting to look more and more like? It is. Let me say this. Hurt people hurt people. Do you know what I'm saying? And most of that hurt comes from this, this feeling of abandonment. Now, it can be either, as a child, but it can be either abandonment that has actually happened, where you, you know, your parents have not surrounded you and nurtured you and, and valued you and everything, but it comes from a much deeper thing. And that is, that is uh, the abandonment of God. The feeling that, God, that, that we are disconnected, that we are separated from God. And we're feeling all of these things as a result of that. And unless we can, we can address that issue, then sometimes a lot of these things can't be changed. So that leads to the worldview schism. Now that was the, the mental... Oh, let me, let me just back up here. On this side, what happens is executive function goes to the limbic system, the center of the emotions, and emotions drive everything that you do. It's just emotion. There's no anchoring. There's no definition of life. Everything is just, you can't know, (laughs) is the way that people put it. Okay, so this leads to a worldview schism. And you'll see how the colors changed here. The colors switched. So the, the action on the par- these parts, um, when the left brain is overbalanced with the intellectualism, the fixed part of it, the law part of it, without an, an understanding of it. You know how your brain, the left side, controls the right side of your body and the right side controls the left side of your body? Well, the opposite happens is actually acted out in the real world and that's randomness the universe is a grand accident has no purpose there is no creator therefore there is no underlying intelligence in nature there is no such thing as morality existence has no purpose but to exist or survive 
And the hallmarks of this are scientism, atheism, and those other things, and control. We try to control everything in our world, including other people. The other side of that is, again, the red, the right side, is switching and expressing itself um, like the left brain would. God controls every event in creation. Have you ever heard that from anybody? All occurrences are preordained. Free will is an illusion and does not exist. God controls everything and change is impossible. Action is ultimately meaningless. And the hallmarks of this are religious extremism and slavery or bondage. And all this comes about because there's not a right ordering of the mind or not a right ordering of the soil. Either one of them. They're both relevant. So let's look at what a shift. So the real problem here is not only in the soil, but ultimately it's in our minds. Our minds are sick. They're not, they're not working properly. We're not, we're not clear correctly in what is determined and what is random. We're not understanding in, in what, the, what is the character of God. What is the law of God? Do we understand it correctly? And that's the random part, the right action of the will. Do we understand what, um, what that is so that we can take the right action? The image of God. You know, the Bible says that God is love. Our goal is to represent the image of God. What is the generative principle in this process? It's love. The Bible says God is love. Another word you could put on that you're, you're awake. I know some people might be uncomfortable with the term conscious, but you're, it's consciousness. It's you're awake. And you're open. You're open and receptive to leading. The opposite of that is fear. I didn't put it on here, but the opposite of that is fear. You're afraid to open yourself up. You're afraid of what might happen, what chaos might come into your life. Whereas love opens itself up to whatever comes in order to achieve its purpose. And you see that in Christ's life, his, his death on the cross. The initiating expression of that is knowledge, an acceptance of truth. Now, I, I'm leaving, I encourage you all to go back and read this chapter, the second chapter of Christ Object Lessons on this parable of the sower. I'm not really going through the parable, but she says that there, this is because of its simplicity, it's not um, appreciated for all of, the, all of the value that it has in it. But the initiating expression here is knowledge. A knowledge of the holy is the beginning of wisdom. It's an acceptance of truth. And remember, we're sick in the head. We're not, we're not right. And I'm going to share that before we're done. Um, about the, the two things that are happening in the world simultaneously that are pulling the world in in a delusion. So knowledge and acceptance of the truth. What is the opposite of knowledge? Ignorance. 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 Now, that's not nescience. Many of you have maybe never heard the term nescience and don't know what it means, but nescience is simply the information is not available. So you can't know. That's different, than, that's different than ignorance. Ignorance implies that the information is available, the truth is available, and it's either being disregarded or rejected. And that's the opposite of knowledge, a rejection of truth, or ignoring and ignoring of truth. What is the internal expression inside of us? Because there's an internal Expression, and then there's going to be an external expression. We're going to act in life. The internal expression is sovereignty. What do I mean by that? Um, internal monarchy. The word monarch means one ruler. That means one ruler. God is governing our lives. We're we're in self. We have self control. What's the opposite of that? Anarchy. 
anarchy. Um, and that, that is chaos. Kind of like the world around us. It's chaos. Internally, there is no, self, there is no governance. There is no self-control. It's, it, it's chaos. And then the external expression of that is freedom. And I'll put another word on that. Anarchy. Now, I know you may not think that that's an appropriate word, but quote, anarchy. The term anarchy does not mean no rules. The term anarchy means no ruler, no external ruler, that man does not rule over you because God is already governing your life. That's what it means. And what's the opposite of that? Well, we're back to the monarchy thing again. It's a ruler, but it's not God as your ruler. It's man as your ruler. And what is the manifestation of this? Order. In the Bible, well, let me get the other one, then I'll say it. That is manifested good. Order. God is a God of order. But that is manifested good. It's not that you just line everything up and it's all in order or anything. You can't, this is a, a process that has to begin from the very foundation. And it has to be brought to be, into being with every single one of those things being in place. You can't substitute or leave out one or the other. But it comes to the place where we are manifesting good. We are, we are reflecting the image of God. What is the opposite of that? It's chaos again. It's the manifestation of evil violence, bondage, enslavement, fear, all of those things. And again, on that other side, you, you can't mingle these together. One is going to result with the specific outcome and the other is going to result with the specific outcome. And so, if we want to restore the image of God, if we don't have the right knowledge, we won't have the right understanding and we won't take the right actions we won't be in control of ourselves, or I should say God won't, have any, won't be in control. You know, you remember the Israelites back uh, in Samuel's day, and what did they want to do? They wanted a king. <laughs> and what did God tell them? Samuel through Samuel, what did, what did he tell them? I'm your God. I'm your God. But they insisted. Even after God told them what the consequences would be, of having a man ruling over them. They didn't care. They wanted a, they wanted a king like the, the, the people around them. And what happened? And bring forth fruit. Those who, having heard, keep it. Having heard the word, I'm sorry, keep it. Having kept it, will bring forth fruit in obedience. The word of God received in the soul will be manifested in good works. It is re- its results will be seen in a Christ-like character and life. Christ said of himself, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. So we have both here. Jesus is saying that he delights to exercise his will in accordance with the Father's will. His understanding is in accordance with, the, with, the, with God's understanding. And his law is within his heart. He is governed by the law of God. What is determined and what is random here or fluid, whichever term makes you more comfortable, um, he is practicing. And so, if you were to read more in that, well, let me, let me just say here, there are two movements going on in the world right now. And I know one of them is going to make you uncomfortable by me saying it. There's the spiritual formation movement that is assaulting the spiritual nature of man. And most, have most of you heard of that? Heard about it? It comes in different terminologies. Um, but a key word in that is that formation. It's formation, not reformation. And there's another movement, which is the one that's going to make you uncomfortable when I say it, but the organic movement is a movement that is addressing the physical nature of man. And 
We don't, we, we like that idea. I know a lot of people in this room do. And there are a lot of good things about it. So just because you've embraced that doesn't mean that you're evil. But I just want to be sure that everybody understands what the generative principle of the organic movement is. It's that there's an inherent godness to nature. Another thing is panthe- another term for that is pantheism. The spiritual formation movement is that there's an inherent godness to man. And that man will form his own godhood. They're the same thing both from the physical side and the spiritual side. Now, I know it's 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 reasonable to want to embrace things, embrace the organic movement, and, and I'm saying, not telling you not to, but I just want you to be knowledgeable that you're pursuing truth. It sounds reasonable because it's natural, and you would believe that, that, that because it's natural, then that would be what God would do. But let me be clear about something here. We are broken. There is no, remember I said, what is the nature of man? Well, the nature of man is the image of God, right? Or was. The question is, is it now? No. There is a no inherent ability in us anymore to, of ourselves, restore the image of God. There isn't. And there is no more ability of nature to inherently restore the image of God than we have. The difference is, is that we have a conscience. We have the will to obey or disobey God. Nature does not disobey God, but it no longer has the ability because it's broken. There's things that are missing. There's things that are exaggerated. And so it no longer has the ability to inherently it's not going to, the earth is not going to heal itself. It will do everything in its power to heal. And in fact, some of the things that it does in, in an attempt to heal, we think is evil. When you've got dandelions growing in your lawn, nature is trying to heal the land. And we want to get it out. The devil, the devil can't create anything on his own. He can only take what God created and deform it so that it expresses something other than the image of God. But it's important that we understand these two principles when we're pursuing these things because that's what the the spiritual formation movement is saying. It's saying that, you know, we just have to go into our own mind. And the devil loves this. He loves it because he knows that when we do that, we have now given ourselves over to the authority of man. And... Whose authority does man have? Whose authority? Who did, who did the dragon give his authority to? And so ultimately, you're, you're submitting yourself to the authority of Satan in doing that. And, in by, and, and so it's not that critical of a thing with, the, with the, the organic movement thing in the respect that, you know, the practices are not what's at issue here, per, per se. It's the principle. The generative principle that drives that movement. And God has, give, God has given us something better. He's giving us something better. And if we, we, have to, we have to go to the Word of God, we have to go to nature, and God's, nature's God, and ask for redemption. They ask for restoration. And because of that, what we need is Christ's righteousness. We need his righteousness. Now, I do soil consulting, and I've, I've come to understand, I believe, what the character of the soil should be. I didn't come to that understanding merely from science. I came came to that understanding by laying the word down first. What is the criteria of God's word that I should look for in nature? What What should it be achieving? And so this is what we need. 
and I, I forgot to put it in here, but you know, she says that we not only need the redemption of Christ, we need the, we need the whole character of Christ. We need the life of Christ. So I will leave this with you that we let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's from Philippians 5. And I've deliberately, I should share with the, the people in my class, I did it on purpose. I actually put something into my presentation that was not true. And I don't know if I should reveal it to the people that were there now or if, or if I should let you. I, I encourage, what I'm saying is I want to encourage you, don't take anything that I've said. I'm nobody. Don't take anything that I've said for granted. Don't accept anything just because I said it. But go and investigate it for yourself because I left pieces out of this. I left pieces out deliberately because I want you to go and study it and investigate it and make sense of it and see is what I'm saying um, in harmony with the truth or is it just a bunch of hooey that I made up? Um, I guess I'll tell everybody. Today. We had a picture. We were looking at the soil biology and there was a picture of a giant earthworm um, with a hand on it. So, I mean, it was huge. It looked like it was the size of a snake. And I said that there really are earthworms that big. Uh, there really aren't earthworms that big. But the question is, how many people would have gone and said, wow, I've never seen an earthworm that big. I'm going to go check that out and see. That, that would be incredible to see an earthworm that big. Now, this is, this is the harmless thing that I, that I put in there. But I put it in there so that I could illustrate this, is that it's easy for a little thing to be slipped in on us if we're not careful. And that little thing can begin leading us away from the truth. I'm sure you guys would have all, all investigated me on that one and checked it out, but... But again, here is where the waste place is. And here. And we can, we can deal with symptoms or effects all day long. And it won't, make, it won't do any good. It won't do any good. It won't change any of it. It's when we actually go in here and here and we go on our knees to God and we ask Him, for a knowledge of the holy and the wisdom that comes with it and the understanding to exercise that wisdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that it's your desire that we know you. We know that it's your desire that we understand you. We know that it's your desire that we manifest your image in this world so that those in this world can see the contrast between your character, your love, your mercy, your graciousness, your order that brings peace to life. And we just pray that this time spent together, the fellowship throughout this week, the study, the listening, the learning would have brought us to a deeper knowledge and understanding of you. And I just pray now that it would stick with us, that we would retain it, but also that we wouldn't stop there, that we would continue coming to you because we need to know you. We need your mind in our mind, and your heart in our hearts. Because without it, there is no life. And that's what you said you came to do, was to give us life, and to give us life more abundantly. And we just ask that you would do that. We ask that you would help us, no matter where we are, no matter how, 
weak our soil is, that by you, we can be healed. We can be restored. Those waste places can be restored. And not only can they be restored, but they can be restored to the place where they become, there are lives and our witness is pressed down and overflowing. Because it's only then when our lives become pressed down and overflowing that we have something to share and give to others of a knowledge of who you are. So I just pray that you would do that. I pray that you would bless the continued time here, that it would be a, a sweet experience. And I also ask that we really truly do understand what it means to keep Sabbath, to rest, to rest in what you have done, not only in creation, but in salvation and what you will do with our lives in that reality. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.